People are yearning for information. Having the opportunity to encourage people and to educate people and inspire people. It's amazing to be able to say we'll carve out time to take care of ourselves. There's something for everyone. Today is April 2nd, 2020, and we're doing this interview with Tara Brock during the pandemic. Tara Brock is an American psychologist, author of many books, including her most recent book, Radical Compassion, and proponent of Buddhist meditation. She's a guiding teacher and founder of the Insight Meditation Community of Washington, D.C. We are fortunate that Tara teaches Wednesday nights in Bethesda, Maryland, very near where Trish and I live. Most importantly, she's a friend and our teacher and a much-needed voice in the world we find ourselves living in today. So Tara, welcome to HealthGate. Oh, thank you so much. I'm really delighted to be with both of you. What is this global pandemic like for you personally? You know, because I'm teaching so much, I hear from so many people. I'm taking in all the currents of people's fears and agitation, uncertainty, just this morning, a dear friend you know, wrote, oh, my son tested positive and now I'm afraid for the whole family. And so it's so clear to me that none of us are exempt. We're living in this living web in crisis. And a huge number of us are going to feel very real loss that we haven't already, real heartbreak. I kind of feel close into that myself. In terms of my family, my daughter-in-law is pregnant and she's a nurse at UCSF, which is the largest hospital in San Francisco. And as you all know, they're running out of equipment and reusing masks. So she's at high risk. At home, my son and also my ex-husband lives with them because of a failing heart and a one and a half year old. So it's a very high risk situation. And so I'm in a process myself of really feeling the mix of that vulnerability and how much is around the planet. It's very real in my body, my nervous system. Also feeling something else, which is the sense of the potential when things fall apart. And I've been kind of reflecting through the history of our species. We can see that when there's huge disruptions, those are the times of amazing adaptation where beings tap their intelligence and creativity and their generosity and love. Through history, it's been when humans become the most collaborative and when we get more compassionate. And, you know, as I speak, I know you both know in our own lives, when things crash, it's a loss of a relationship or a major sickness or death of a dear one, it calls out our strength, our wisdom, our hearts. There's a prayer that I've been using, particularly when things are really hard, and it's from the Buddhist tradition, and it's described as the bodhisattva's aspiration. And what that means, we're all bodhisattvas, we're all awakening beings. And the aspiration, well, I'll just say the words, it's that may whatever circumstances arise, may they serve the awakening of this heart and all hearts. Here are the circumstances, you know, just unfathomable amount of loss around the planet. And what if in this crisis, many, many of us had that aspiration, okay, this is incredibly painful, but may this wake up our hearts. May we create a more loving world. Just slow down a bit. If anyone listening, just to ask yourself if you sense what's most difficult for you right now about this, that the fears and the worries and concerns, whether it's financial or health, and then you just sense, well, please, may this difficulty 
serve to wake up my heart? May I become more compassionate through it? Mm. And what happens is there's kind of an opening to something more. I think of Zen Master Thich Nhat Hanh because he wrote he has this beautiful little description. He says, when the crowded Vietnamese refugee boats met with storms or pirates, if everyone panicked, all would be lost. But if even one person on the boat remained calm and centered, it was enough. It showed the way for everyone to survive. So what if we really just sensed, well, how can I be that person, clear and calm and compassionate? And imagine if millions of us shared that aspiration, and it really would help us to create the world that we believe in. You know, I just had a vision of us all in the boat and myself panicking there for a minute. So it's possible to have those moments, but then to come back to calm. That's what you talk all about, right? That's exactly it, because it would be a false goal to say, may I be wall-to-wall calmness? You know, that just, it's right. not that. I mean, we're supposed to feel fear right now. It's an intelligent response of our nervous system to danger. The question is, can we feel it and then act responsibly from it? Or do we get overwhelmed and then in that kind of overwhelm and panic, cut off from our own intelligence and cut off from each other? So that's the inquiry is really how can we work with the fears that arise in a wise way? And what does your book Radical Compassion teach us about this? Well, the reason I wrote Radical Compassion was to share a way of practicing mindfulness and compassion that could really help us through difficult times and really cultivate that kind of heart space where, and I love the word heart space because it's not just a solid little heart, it's a heart space where we really care about each other and care is active. It's not just abstract where we really engage. And so I shared through the book, it's kind of a training book and how to do what's called the RAIN meditation. And RAIN's an acronym. It's an acronym that shows us how to weave mindfulness and compassion when we're really stuck, how to bring it alive. The letters of the acronym, the R of RAIN is to recognize. The A of RAIN is allow. The I is investigate. And the N is to nurture. And then after you do those four steps, there's what I call after the RAIN, which is where you actually sense the shift that's happened inside you. I'll share a little example from my own life, and we can practice it a little together. About a month ago, I was meditating on a rock by the Potomac River, one of my spots. That was when I was first gripped by really the magnitude of this crisis. I mean, I really could sense I was shaken by what it meant to my family and what it meant to so many in the world that are really, really vulnerable. So I brought rain to fear. And the R was to recognize my agitation. And with the recognizing, I like to kind of mentally whisper the word of what's happening. Because if you name what's happening, it actually starts to calm it down. There's really good science on that. If you can note an emotion, it actually activates the prefrontal cortex and it calms down the limbic system. So recognize is naming what's there, just in, with a mental note. The A, I allowed it to be there. I often will just say, okay, this belongs. It's like a wave in the ocean. It belongs. And the allowing doesn't mean we like it. It just means we're willing in these moments just to let it be there. And that creates a kind of pause where we can deepen our attention, get a little more intimate with what's going on inside us because we tend to run away. And the I is investigate. 
and it's with a gentleness and a curiosity to investigate what's going on in the body. It's not a cognitive investigation. It's really coming closer into contact with the feelings in the body. And I felt this clutch in my chest, this kind of hollow ache with an edge of real tension around it. And just, it was very strong. And part of investigating, it helps to put your hand where you feel it because that helps keep the attention there. So mm -hmm. I can put my hand on my heart to keep the presence there. The last question I asked myself under investigating was, so what does this place most need? What it needed was just to feel belonging to something larger, that it was loved and held in something larger. So that's when the N or nurturing happened. And I, with my hand still on my heart, then I let my hand be part of nurturing. It was a gentle touch. And I just tried to imagine and sense all the love in the universe just flowing into that scared place. What I realized is it's not my fear. This is the world's fear. And that realization really makes a difference. After the rain, the moments after, was just resting in that sense of kind of being the ocean and letting the currents move through me. But there wasn't any suffering. And that's the whole gift of rain. We shift from being a scared self that feels helpless and powerless to being a field or a space of compassion and awareness that has room for it. And it makes all the difference. So in my book, Radical Compassion, I describe how you can bring rain to all the different emotions. And it's kind of a, just a guidebook on how to customize it so it can really work for you. And I also, on my website, have lots of free resources on rain. But the good news is this, that rain gives us a pathway to come back to being the person on the boat. You know, as you say, we get triggered into or hijacked into our fears, but then it gives us a pathway back home. The more we do it, the more natural and spontaneously we come back home. And it doesn't have to take long. You can do a light rain, and it's really amazing how there can be some shift, or you can take a longer time, and we can share it with our family and friends. My sense is that in times of global crisis, we need practices like this that are totally accessible, that you can remember and find our way back home again. And I'll just share briefly that you can also do it as a RAIN partner. And we have many, many people now all around the world, because you can do RAIN partners online or over the phone, that will do RAIN with each other. And I have a whole protocol and guided audio sessions on how to do it. And it's a beautiful way to have an intimate experience and have the support of another, have that container that we help each other through our reactivity and our fears. Mm-hmm. When you're practicing RAIN, there's no time frame, right? Because sometimes you can kind of make it through recognize, right? You can kind of make it through allowing, but you might get stuck in investigation. And that's okay too, right? Yeah, that's a great question. Because even if you just begin and recognize and name what's going on, you're a little better off than when you were lost totally in the flood. So recognizing and allowing creates even more space. When we investigate, and really contact the vulnerability and then nurture, it's quite a deep healing process. So yes, you can do a little bit, you can stop midway, you can do the whole thing, but have it be a light rain, as I mentioned, so you're not going to have quite as much depth. Also to know that at any point, go ahead and nurture, because nurturing starts even before we do rain, we need to nurture some, we need to just open with kindness. And at any point during rain, add some nurturing. And by nurturing, I mean, if we can just in some way make a gesture of kindness towards ourselves, 
a whole lot becomes softer and more open and more present. We feel a lot better. So especially if there's trauma, I wouldn't even go right into rain. I just spend a lot of time with the nurturing. Can you tell us a little more about what deepens radical compassion at times like this? These are the times where it's actually possible. And what I've found is that as we train, and it's a training, you know, because our habit is to leave ourselves, to not touch where the vulnerability is, it's a training. But as we train in RAIN, in the mindfulness and compassion of RAIN with our own vulnerability, we become more attuned to each other and we're able to accompany each other. I know when I've really touched into the places where I'm feeling grief and sorrow, and then I'm with somebody else who's had a loss, there's no self-consciousness. It's like, we know this. This is our shared grief. It feels really important that in these times that we stay attuned to each other. And a pandemic can be a setup for disconnection, you know, with the physical distancing and competition for scarce resources and this atmosphere of fear. People are very lonely, especially if they're living alone and increased depression. So the first thing in terms of deepening radical compassion is to be really intentional about connecting. And it can happen in many ways. I mean, right now it's phenomenal how we have been really resilient in terms of transitioning online. There's online meditation classes every day and yoga classes and dinner gatherings and dance parties. It's amazing. Just to share with you, my assistant Janet, who has Parkinson's, is attending online, participating in boxing, her, her <laughs> boxing class. It's amazing. So one thing that's important Keep remembering the beauty, you know, keep connected with the natural world, with the spring blossoms, and remember the beauty of how much people are caring. And even when we're worried about each other, just to know that's an expression of our love, which is beautiful. Mm. And it really matters to stay connected with each other in ways that are quite real, because we need to be willing to be vulnerable with each other. I'll share with you that in one of our online groups among members of a DC meditation community, it was a Zoom meeting and one woman joined in from her room in a hospital. She was isolated. She's in a coronavirus unit. The only people she had seen nearby were in their hazmat suits and so on. So to be in a small group on Zoom and share her experience and be heard and be seen to have that connection and spiritual community was part of the healing. And we need that. We need that for all of us. And so many have told me about reaching out to dear ones that they don't regularly reach out to and having others reaching out and helping them. So this is the time to connect. And the biggest training, I think, is to remember that just like me, others are feeling challenged and vulnerable. In fact, my, one of my favorite quotes is a real simple one. It's, be kind. Everyone you meet is fighting a hard battle. And mm. it's so true right now. So in terms of deepening radical compassion, for us to move through the day and when we're in touch with others, have a deep inquiry. What's it like for you? So that our hearts really remember and include others in, in an intimate way. One of my friends, Valerie Carr, says, this is truly a time to know that no one is a stranger. 
I mean, that's what I'm struggling with the most, I think, is being distant from people in my own family and my own children, going to the grocery store and feeling like everyone are aliens and, you know, we're all avoiding each other. And that's hard. Yeah. If you're sensitive at all, it's a struggle. I think that's it. Where we are when we're in our world right now, others are looking at us as potential viral carriers and that sets up a kind of defendedness and distance automatically. So we have to be extra intentional in nurturing relationships on the phone and online. So just the way we are right now, you know, we're sharing about what's going on here and that allows the heart to feel more tender. We remember, oh yeah, we're in it together. We need to do that every day. I mean, I'm really encouraging people every day to reach out or to connect in some way. And one of the beautiful things about Rain Partners is that that helps us kind of remember, okay, we're really all facing the same vulnerability. It's true. And, you know, we do see each other as viral carriers because we are viral carriers, right? Like we just are, but we're more than just the viral carrier. (laughs) What you just said is it. It's like, let's physically distance, but we don't have to distance our hearts. We really don't. But it takes kind of leaning towards each other and taking the risk to share what we're feeling, to name the truth, to be a little out there with our vulnerability, to invite people to share and to really listen really, this is the time to practice our intimacy skills. Tara, maybe this would be a good time. Could you lead us through a guided rain meditation and show our listeners and us how this goes? I'd love to, and we'll kind of all do it together here. Yeah, so wherever you are, sitting quietly, you might close your eyes and take a few full breaths. And scanning your current life, bringing to mind something that brings up fear, agitation. It could be something to do with your relationships with people around you, your fears, your concerns, your sense of separation, fears for yourself, health, finances. Not to bring up something that you feel self-trauma, because that won't be so helpful in a short meditation like this, but something that you really can sense gets you anxious upset in some way. And if there's a situation in mind that brings it up, just to bring to mind that situation and visualize it and let yourself kind of contact the distress. You might sense what's the worst part of this for you. What are you most afraid of? And now we're going to explore how to bring rain to that. And you begin with the recognize, the R, which is to recognize what's happening, whatever's most predominant. And you might mentally whisper a word that helps to name it, like fear or worry, anxiety, anger, loneliness. Once you've named it, just to allow it to be just as it is, kind of sending a message to your heart to let be. This is the willingness to pause and accept that what is here is here. Again, it's like that wave in the ocean. It belongs to the ocean. I sometimes say, this belongs. Or even whisper the word, yes. This is life for right now. So recognizing and allowing. And then we investigate a bit with a gentle attention, with curiosity. 
And you might investigate right in the body, feel your body. Where does it feel strongest, this vulnerability? Is it your throat, chest, belly? Wherever you feel it, you might gently place your hand. That'll connect you more with yourself. And really wonder, well, what does it feel like? What am I aware of? Is it heat, tightness, pressure? Is there an ache, a twist, a squeeze? And just kind of see if you can feel right into the epicenter of where feelings are strong. This kind of willingness, okay, I'm going to feel it. And if it's difficult, breathe with it. Breathe with it. You might ask the place that feels most vulnerable in you right now. What do you most need? Or how do you want me to be with you? In just sense, does it want understanding, acceptance, company, forgiveness, love? What does it need? Sensing what it needs and sense that you can be listening and attending now from your most awake and wise self. So that as you sense what's needed, sense your response. You might feel where your hand is touching your heart or wherever your hand is and let the pressure be very gentle, communicating care. And offer yourself a message that might bring healing to where the need is. It might be as simple as you're okay or I'm here and I'm not leaving. Or maybe, thank you for trying to protect me, but I'm okay right now. Or maybe, just to remind that place, you're held in love. You might also explore calling on some larger source of loving. It could be the love and wisdom that flows through someone you trust. To imagine that's flowing through your hand into your heart. Maybe a friend or grandparent, teacher, healer, spiritual figure. It could be a formless presence. You can imagine that that being's caring gaze is really holding you and just imagine and feel love bathing the place of vulnerability, really washing through you. Let the love into the cells and the spaces between, washing through your entire being. Give permission to receive. Let it in held in love. You might just sense the possibility of relaxing back and being that loving awareness. This is called after the rain. Just get familiar with the quality of presence that's here. Noticing the shift from when you started the scared or upset self to really this compassionate awareness that's here and holding what's here knowing this is really your home, the innermost truth of what you are. And knowing it as the truth of who we all are, this loving awareness, feeling our shared belonging. You might sense others that are practicing in the same way, opening up our hearts. And I'll read a final verse for you. This is from James Baldwin. For nothing is fixed 
forever, forever, forever. It is not fixed. The earth is always shifting. The light is always changing. The sea does not cease to grind down rock. Generations do not cease to be born. The sea rises. The light fails. The moment we cease to hold each other, the moment we break faith with one another, the sea engulfs us and the light goes out. So please take a few deep breaths and open your eyes when you're ready. Tara, thank you. Yes, thank you. That was just beautiful. My pleasure to be with you and to share this with all who are listening. Thank you, Tara, for joining us. And hopefully we'll see you in person sometime soon. Oh, it would be so, so wonderful. I'd enjoy that too. So take good care. Take care. Thank you for joining us on Health Gig. We loved having you with us. We hope you'll tune in again next week. In the meantime, be sure to like and subscribe to this podcast and follow us on healthgigpod.com. I'm Trisha. And I'm Doro. Be well.